Cozy AF. Is that the name of this season? No. <laughs> the name of this season is It's a Sporgasbor. <laughs> I'm sorry, but if that isn't the name, I'll riot. I'll riot in the streets. No, you, it is. It's the name. It's the only. It's the only name. It's. You know that I love a pun and a, a not a spoonerism, a portmanteau. A portmanteau, indeed. What's a spoonerism? It's a spormanteau. Oh, it doesn't work. You tried. Spoonerism is when you use like the wrong word, um, like saying. I feel like I literally just heard one the other day and I can't remember it. I think I know what you're talking about though, but I can't think of anything specifically. I'm, I'm going to Google it because what would this podcast be if it wasn't us just like Googling while recording and I'm <laughs> never editing it out? Spooner is a... Ishim. A verbal error in which a speaker accidentally transposes the initial sounds or letters of two or more words, often to a humorous effect. You have hissed the mystery lectures accidentally spoken instead of the intended you have missed the history lectures ah. that's not what i thought it was but that is interesting yeah i didn't think that's what it was what is this uh boo, 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 boo. replacing words <laughs> with just riveting content over here. other words oh yeah the most listen welcome listen. back <laughs> listen linda is that what it is you know the vine or the like meme or the like the little kid who's like, listen, Linda. And then he like tells his mom what's up. No, I don't, but I like it. Do you know what my favorite vine is? And I don't really know the vines, but I only know this because Soph quotes it all the time. Is, I'm 16. I'm a grandmother. <laughs> um, I don't know that. Oh, we'll watch that later. It's really I... good never watched any vines you shouldn't there's no point it's just a time suck it's worse than tiktok is that racist probably this is not a vine this is not a tiktok should we get a tiktok no okay well this is pantry staples the podcast where we dish on your favorite foods i am marika and i'm emily and this is the beginning of season five God. the sporgasborg where we're being grandmothers <laughs> yeah um we're going to be talking about mold yeah it's gonna be not fresh (laughs) the opposite of funky fresh we're spoiling you (laughs) (laughs) that was so good thank you i loved that thank you um yeah and we're gonna i'm gonna start us off strong this week this episode with Blue cheese. Which I feel like is what everyone would think of when they think of mold. So I'm excited to learn more about it so we can, you know, dive right in. Yeah, I think it's like, I think this is going to be an interesting season. Mm-hmm. We've kind of brainstormed some topics already. Um, but I think it could go, I don't know. Cheese, I think, is going to be one that brings us back. Oh, of course. So what is my title? I've got so many titles for this. <laughs> your title and then your subtitle and then your subtitle. Oh, it's not even that exciting. It's just mold and cheese part one. Bleh. Bleh. Because <laughs> bleh, bleh. Yeah, no, I love that. Thank you. So yes, the bluest of cheeses. The cheese, the myth, the legend is Thank where you. we're going to start. That's perfect. Please. Um, and yeah, like I'm just going to get right into it. So it's like... Really? We're going to get right into it? We're going to get right... Is this... This is right into it, hey? 
this All is this waffling and googling about is listen, right into it. We are less than five minutes in, so this is pretty right in Incredible. as far as our standards go. Ten out of ten. Truly. You may be surprised, or probably not at all, to learn that blue cheese was first discovered in Roquefort, France, <laughs> in the 7th century. Oh, those good French people doing the Lord's work. <laughs> yes. And the legend has it, because of course, gosh, we're back. I, we thought we were going to get into some serious scientific territory, and we're not not going to do that. Mm-hmm. But we have to start it off. It's a holdover from our last season with apocryphal tales. Yeah, it turns out it's really hard to find the origins of mold. And just like, I think this is just, this is food. Like people... That's the thing. There is no hard and fast on it, except for very occasionally. Except for when it's like all hard and fast and you're like, ugh, what? Science. Science, science. Get out of here. Um, Yes. So the legend has it. A young shepherd was snacking on bread and cheese made from ewe's milk. The cheese, not the bread. Um, And then he pulled like a full Pepe Le Pew... And ran off after a beautiful young woman. Thank you. Please always reference Pepe the Pew in here. This is the only thing I want. Honestly, my favorite Looney Tunes character is Pepe He's the Pew. a sex symbol and we all love him. <laughs> and an offender. But. Irrelevant. Listen. How many times has a cat been just painted accidentally with a, have white paint splattered on their back accidentally? It looked like a skunk and been chased by Pepe the Pew. You know, it's. It's hard out there for a cat. Anyway, so this dude, this French shepherd, um, he came back to his lunch months later, <laughs> apparently, because you know, as you do, as you do, <laughs> and he found or that as you you, <laughs> oh, sorry, as you do, yeah, and he found that although the cheese was covered in mold, it was still. <laughs> delicious <laughs> so several things i'd just like to quickly oh ask here. there's a lot um first off this shepherd is the equivalent of boys who only wear shorts even in the snow <gasps> omg Agreed. i'm sorry but mm-hmm. that's his energy blake and i've been talking about that so much like i feel like there have been like no fewer than five references in like the last two days about the variety of a person who wears shorts in all weather i'm concerned that i might be the female equivalent there are some things that you do that are borderline but no no you're not i'm but it's questionable at times the second thing is what's the most rotten thing that you've ever found that you've left for like time i mean past podcasts would say that you would be the kind of person that would find mold on something and be like "Mm -hmm." i don't think i'm that person like i'm not no? I'm very... Oh my god, no. What? If there's even a hint of something funny going on... It, no. Absolutely not. Dairy? Have we, We've talked about this a million times. I do not fuck with dairy after. Like, even the day before, it's best before date, I won't drink it. But you're also wanting to go out there and, like, eat ancient... I would. I'd 100%. goods. Yeah, no. 100% would do that after somebody has deemed it safe. But in my own mm, personal life... Okay. Like, if there was a scientist that's like, these cans... Probably don't have botulism, and I'll check it for it after. I'd be like, sure, I'll try anything twice. Throw it against the wall. It's fine. It's fine. No, if in my own home, absolutely Mm -hmm. not. If there's even a hint, I don't even like leaving leftovers in the fridge, because two days, I'm like, what could happen? All right. Okay. Okay, so I'm not like that. I actually literally, on Sunday, we, my mom and I, we, like, we'd made pasta, whatever. Mm. There was some Parmesan in the fridge, and we're just, like, opened it up, and we're like, hmm. And I, like, actually, as a joke, was just like, I'll, like, try it to make sure it's good. And then I, like, picked one up, put it in my mouth, and saw that the one under it had, like, a little spot of blue mold. Ooh. 
And I was like, Meh. so we just picked out the mold parts and used the oh. rest, and it was totally fine. I feel like I read an article once about how deep the like roots of mold spores go. Yeah, and it freaked me the fuck out forever. Yeah, one of my favorite jokes is. If you can't see it, it's not there. <laughs> Referring to mold. <laughs> the worst. Because it is actively not true. It is actively not true. That but is I'll... a disclaimer for everyone listening. Mold is everywhere. But also, like, mold's everywhere. Who gives a shit? Again, I, I see your point. <laughs> but I am a nervous Nelly when it comes to that. Not the oldest thing that I've ever eaten, but four months went by where an apple rolled around in the trunk of my car. Honestly, better an apple than, like, a banana. Oh, God. They... Oh. <laughs> No. Towards the end, I was like, I don't even know what food this used to be. Oh, my God. Anyhow. That's horrible. We are, like, two bullet points in. Sorry. <laughs> you have so much to get through. It's good. Please. What would this be if it wasn't Tangent City? Um, yeah. So there are obviously a couple problems with this story. Number one being the kind of, like, what kind of a person would abandon a perfectly good cheese lunch? Short boys. <laughs> Not men who are short, men who... Shorts, wearing boys. Yes. Snow short boys. Just like, disclaimer. Um, we but... stan a short king on this podcast. We don't. No, I'm kidding. We do. It's fine. <laughs> Listen, we're ambivalent. Um, <laughs> but then number two is then, okay, so you're, you've abandoned your lunch, but then clearly you're so starving enough that then months later you're going to search out this cheese and bread and then eat it covered in mold. Does he eat the bread too? I mean, it's not a real story. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Okay. But regardless, the legend has enough weight with cheese scientists. (laughs) And since the mold was like found in this area of France. But most, um, the mold found in most blue cheeses is named after Roquefort Blue. It is Penicillium Roqueforti. And it's always the same strain? Like, well, not like... Yes, Penicillium Roqueforti is in like 90% of blue cheeses. A cultivated version of that strain is what they use to inoculate and hmm. moldify the cheese. So, a, it, okay, this is probably getting ahead of it, but is a Stilton a Roquefort? No, not all, not all cheeses are Roqueforts, but it's just that's like what they named the brand of mold. But like in a Stilton, you're still using that brand of mold. Yes. Interesting. Okay, please continue. The other thing is it's like like all mass produced. It's um, now like not really the same thing. It's like yeah, its own entity. Yeah, like there's like branded cultures and like branded molds. We got to get into the yeast game. Who has the time? Truly. Just like have like a yeast farm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just us wiping our vaginas on things. Okay. I knew it was coming. I, know. I couldn't keep I know. the bar elevated. I'm sorry. Anyway, so recently-ish, French researchers have been digging deeper into the genetic history of this Penicillium Roqueforti, oh, cool. which is very cool. And they found that unlike the like modern industrial like cultured strains, um, naturally occurring Roquefort Penicillum uh, grows very slowly in cheese and has weaker lipolytic activity. Hmm. Tell me more. <laughs> Yes, I did look up what that means because they kept using it in like a lot of things. I like other things, and I was like, ah. Lipolysis is the process by which fats are broken down into enzymes and water, hmm. and it's like the same. Like it happens in our bodies. Mm-hmm. It happens in like most 
I don't know, like anything with that sort of like yes, fat in like it. fat fat breaking down. It's like the metabolism of the mold. Okay, interesting. It's like metabolizing the fats. I think I vaguely get it. And it was funny too when I looked it up, and it was all about like human like metabolism and stuff. And I was like, I want to know about the cheese. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So apparently, because it happens slower in like Rockfort, Rockfort, like the cheese, not mm-hmm. like the mold. Um, the cheese itself doesn't degrade as quickly and is like slightly less pungent, which kind of makes sense if you know. Yeah. Like a Rockfort, it's it, it's not quite as like it's not the stinkiest. It's not the stinkiest. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So this brings us to another suspicious ex- aspect of the uh, blue cheese origin story. Which is that these same different French researchers or other French researchers studying blue cheese have found that um, not only is blue cheese mold genetically different from food spoiling molds, which like should make sense, but yeah, like that... we should get that one out of the way where it's like yeah, it's different, it's not going to hurt you kind of thing. Yeah, and it's like genetically like they're they're completely different things. Like which is why if you have just like a parmesan in your fridge that has mold on it, you should. It's not that. just a blue cheese. You shouldn't just. We're just giving so many PSAs. <laughs> yeah, there's gonna this whole series. Um, there's also no evidence that P. Rockforti um, has no evidence of it was found inside any caves or even cheese cellars in the Rockfort area. So it's like it didn't come from the cave. Interesting. So the myth is actually not completely fake, but so it's like okay, it's not out. It's not external, if that makes sense. So then, like, what on earth would produce that? Is it that, like, the ewe's milk is, like, has a special something in it that interacts with its environment? Okay, no, you're going to tell me more. I'm making a hand gesture. But first, I have this. If it's not coming from external things, there's only one other option, and that is that the mold is coming from inside the cheese. (laughs) (sighs) Um, So if we are to believe any bit of the... Mm-hmm. origin story it's most likely that the mold originally came from a rye flower pathogen from the bread oh interesting so it kind of makes sense like if you imagine that like you know you've got your mm-hmm. little hunk of cheese you've got your bread you're probably like swiping the bread on the cheese or yeah. vice versa so then when you leave abandon your cheese hmm. that any you know mold or whatever on your rye that was in the flour that was in the bread mm-hmm. is going to start being able to penetrate into the cheese and moldify it. Interesting. Yeah. And so then from there, I guess just like the constant contact between the cheese and that flour is what's creating this like. Yeah. And then there are some things where it's like they, I think even now, like when they're, um, I don't know, like cultivating their cheese cellars in mm-hmm. Rockfort or trying to make the molds they'll like put like loaves of rye bread just like out like in the cellars to like help kind of like continue the spores interesting yes i read mm-hmm. that one place and i didn't write it down but i remembered off the top of my head so there you go it is fact other studies so like another kind of discounting mm-hmm. of this original myth but that's also very cool so people have looked at paleofeces which is a fancy word for fossilized poo. Yum. <laughs> um, from Austrian salt mines. And they found remnants <laughs> of blue cheese and beer dating back to 800 BCE. Oh, I love it. <laughs> the people who are doing, like, archaeology on poop. I know. My favorite people. 
the just like truly doing the lord's work Mm -hmm. absolutely and it's super cool because doing this they can like literally trace the evolution of the human gut biome oh so here's a quote from the article the presence of p rock forti indicates a major step in ruminant milk processing from fresh to ripen cheese which could have offered in addition to new flavors several advantages to the hallstatt miners including longer storage and less lactose content in the fermented dairy product the reduced lactose content may have helped the ancient miners to better digest milk products living in a time when lactose persistence frequencies only started to rise in Europe. Interesting. I know. God, it really is so cool what they can find out, hey? I know, and just, like, even thinking about that, like, it does make so much sense that mm-hmm. blue cheese is, like, an ancient form of cheese because when you ferment something, it makes it easier for you to digest. And again, throwback to our fermentation series, like, as much as everybody wants to tote it as this, like, wonder food, there are genuine benefits to having those sorts of processes occur. Like, it's the reason why we drink beer instead of water in, like, ancient society. It's because it's safer. You have cheese that's gone and, like, fermented like this because it's safer. You're not going to shit yourself to death (laughs) in the mine. I mean, you might, but maybe that's from just, like, eating too much delicious Mm. cheese. Story of my life. Just me in a mine. If if I had to be in a mine, I would want to be shitting from too much cheese. Pooping down a chute. A mine shaft. Incredible. Um, That's what I'm going to talk call my toilet from now on the mind <laughs> vulgar mm-hmm, um so yes now we so we know that this is the origin of the mold that's used in all the cheeses mm. so now we enter the heading why it gotta be blue <laughs> um, is this your blue period yes this is my blue period um it may seem obvious but the blue color of blue cheese veins uh comes from the mold itself Hmm. which is naturally a kind of like dark greeny blue. Hmm. And this was a fun thing. Molds come in different colors. Yeah. Which super weird. I mean, like, I guess it's obvious because like we all know about like black mold, but like you can get white mold, you can get gray, orange, brown, depending on their life stages. Hmm. So are some going to change color throughout their life stage? Yeah. Ooh, like cool. they might start. And actually that kind of even makes sense. Like if you buy a blue cheese, like mm-hmm. one of like the greenier ones, yeah. like a gorgonzola or something. By the time like it sits in your fridge in like freaking saran wrap, mm-hmm. it starts to be like brownier, mm-hmm. right? That's true. And even like molds growing in like, I don't know, a forgotten tub of hummus. Rip. <laughs> can start like wow. white and then Are as you it looking goes into my fridge right now <laughs> i think i'm looking into my old mm. actually what's currently molding in my fridge is uh sour cream mm. definitely i haven't looked at it but it's, it's and white women love sour cream I that's know. so sad it's so sad definitely went down like a rabbit hole was like you should be like reading your scientific articles and instead i'm just like looking at pictures of like blue mold incredible <laughs> and, like pink Yes, and also like mold paranoia. But oh, that's fine. when you have kids and they have to take colored foods to school, okay. and they say blue, you're going to be able to give them blue cheese now instead of uh, blueberries because that's always the toughest one for parents. I mean, I feel like <laughs> talk about giving your kid a complex, but also my favorite. I'm sorry, but your kid obviously would be the kind of kid that did that. They're going to be like, uh, yes, this is Shropshire. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, also when they have to do 100 things, because that was a thing in my kindergarten. I feel like that's a thing in a lot of kindergartens. Mm. Like you bring in 100 things, like 100 pennies. One oh, of the kids yes. in uh, my kindergarten brought in a loony, and I remember thinking, this bitch is so clever, I'm going to throw up. That's not the kid. That's a mom. Yeah, no, I know. But that mom was so clever. It's very good. Oh. Um. Anyway, <laughs> to make the blue cheese... Or to make the cheese blue, rather. Mm-hmm. The cheese maker must first make an inoculum, <laughs> which is basically a mixture of freeze-dried P. Roqueforti cultures mm-hmm. and, like, pasteurized, like, milk that's going through a yeah industrial cheese process. Then basic cheese making occurs until curds are achieved. And these curds are, uh, in, like, the most basic way of making it. They're sprinkled with the inoculum. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they are knit together in cheese molds without the U. <laughs> like that was hilarious. Thank you. Um, I and... loved that so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> so they're put into like their little like cheese rounds. Mm-hmm. And then the whey is drained off even further for like 10 to 48 hours. And then salt is added, usually through a brine method, mm. which is like they like bath it in the. I don't know why I didn't even realize that they would be brining cheese. I know, and then it makes so much sense. Of when course, you think about it. Um, then it's dried even more, and then you age it, which is the most important um, step, mm-hmm. especially in blue cheese, because you gotta let the mold sit. Totally, like, and that's I don't even know. Like, it seems so obvious, mm-hmm. but then when I was like reading about it, they're like, yeah, like the cheese, like there's no blue in the beginning. Like the inoculum's not like blue. Like you're not like sprinkling like blue food coloring. No. And that's like the the they want to pack like for most blue cheeses they want to pack it less tight mm. like they want to kind of keep it like like the 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 grains of like the curd grains mm-hmm. um like they don't squish it like they don't press it like they do some cheeses because they I want guess so you can have oxygen in there interacting with it so that it can actually grow because exactly. if you don't have oxygen you can't have mold exactly oh interesting and then if like for a lot of cheeses like uh like stilton for mm-hmm. example where they have like the like the super like marbled mm-hmm. veiny which mm-hmm. is such a gross word but i love it i know um then they'll also do a thing where they will like puncture the cheese mm-hmm. like they'll like poke holes in it with like long like rods so Ew. that air can get in from the surface like even more so it gets like so that's when the the mold, like marble veins, whatever, go straight to the top. Like if you think about like a Roquefort or even some, like a lot of like the French blue, mm-hmm. usually it's like it's just in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, you have the exterior kind of like crust rind bit mm-hmm. and then you crack it open, there's blue bits. Whereas like, I don't know, yeah, like a Stilton or a, like a Danish blue or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's all throughout. And that's because they've punctured Interesting. it. So then they've reached the desired texture, aroma, whatever, what have you for whatever cheese you're making. And then they sterilize it at an ultra high temperature. So you'd like around 130 degrees Celsius for four seconds. <laughs> it's like, just like a, pfft. yep. Um, and that kills, apparently kills the remaining mold and stops the fermentation from continuing. So you don't have like a blue mush. Yeah. Makes sense. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's like basic. That's basic cheese making. Blasic, blasic blue. Blasic blue. Is that the thing that we were talking about at the beginning? Basic blue? No, the, um, not portmanteau. Oh, spoonerism? Yeah. 
Yeah, a Blasek boo. There you go. It's a spoonerism. Family. Tied tied it back. Call oh my back. god, incredible. Um, okay, so why does uh why does blue cheese smell like that? <laughs> Tell me more. As someone who loves the smell of a blue cheese mm-hmm. and loves mm-hmm. any kind of like the more stank, the better. Get up in my nose. I love. But a lot of people disagree. They're all wrong. <laughs> That's fine. But whether or not you like it or not, um, the flavors um, and the aromas, most noticeably, uh, come from methyl ketones, okay, which are a byproduct of the mold li- lipolysis or lipolysis. So, the, like when the fat, yeah. So when is the being... when the mold, like the bacteria, it's not bacteria. It's like the mold cultures, I guess, mm. are eating away at the fats in the cheese. Interesting. They're like farting out. Yeah, because there has ketones. to be some sort of there has to be by tra- so there's yeah, and it's like they they do make kind of like a water mm-hmm. like there's a water thing, and you think about that like if you sort have, of like wayish there's an extra kind of way like a there's a dampness mm-hmm. <laughs> delicious <laughs> to like some of the moldier blue cheeses okay um, but then there's also those are also the smellier ones so in 1924 some dude named Starkle identified two ketones specific two blue cheese and that is heptan to one which is described as banana-y and perfumey mm. and nonan to one which is like earthy interesting which makes sense like those are totally yeah like even that like i would have never picked up on banana in a blue cheese but when after like reading it, i was like oh yeah I completely understand that because I feel like you have to have those two, like the earthiness and the sweetness kind of of those two flavors to come together. And honestly, I feel like the smell of bananas is something that's very easily um, like produced. I feel Mm. like the amount of times when I smell that as like a byproduct, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, weird. It's just like, I think it's just one of the more common scents. And maybe the question is like, is that just the smell of like rot? Because bananas are basically like on a death march the moment they're Mm. off a tree. I kind of think it is. So then, what about the people who smell um, B.O. or foot, like a footiness in some of my favorite blue cheeses? Uncultured swine. Well, yes, but they're also not wrong. (laughs) Uh, We have Brevibacterium linens. Linens? Linens. Okay. Uh, Which is a bacteria commonly found and sometimes even like literally added to blue cheese. Interesting. And it is um, exactly the same bacteria that is, in fact, responsible for foot and body odor. Hmm. <laughs> so, just came here to have a nice time, and now we're getting called out like this. I know. I read that, and I was like, what? No, no way. I refuse. No way. <laughs> um, side note, though. For a while, people thought that it was, like, the bee linens bacteria that was responsible for the orange in cheeses. Like, if you think, like, there are some, like, oh. orange blue cheeses. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they were like, oh, no. It's just the foot stank. It's just the smell. It just <laughs> makes it smell like a foot. This is horrible because I really want to go eat the cheese that's in the fridge right now. We are going to eat the cheese. I know, but I'm hungry. Oh, literally, like, I was looking at all of this and I was like, mmm, lipolysis. <laughs> it's like those delicious ketones. <laughs> all right, so let's talk famous blues. Let's hear it. So Rockford, obviously. You do it. You know, she's, she's our number one. She's the top of the pops. Yep. Oh, such a good reference. So we know her myths, but here are some uh, sort of facts. Um, (laughs) Some 18th century French professors have attributed Pliny the Elder's praise for a cheese from Lozère and uh, Gévaudan. 
mm-hmm. in 79 AD to Rockfort. Can you tell me where Rockfort is on a map of France? What wine region is it in? Because Pliny the Elder actually was recently doing some reading on Pouillac, and um, he mentions loving the wines from that region as well. So maybe he likes his Rockfort and his uh, Bordeaux. I'm sure that he does. I mean, he was a fancy man. I feel like Pliny was a fancy man in the same way that I'm a fancy man. (laughs) Do you know what I mean, though? Like, I enjoy nice things, but also, I'll eat garbage. Mm. Show me a map. Ooh. It's southern. Hmm. Interesting, really. Yes. I'm going to have to get more specific. I want to look at the map. Ugh, I just Googled Google. (laughs) It's by Toulouse. Pliny really got around, hey? He was a busy man. I mean, did he even actually go there? Um, I actually don't recall if he had been there, but no, I feel like he mainly stayed, like, in Italy, just sampling the wares. Are you looking up where Pliny traveled to? No. So, yeah, he liked it. But then there's also some people who were like, because he never identifies it as, like, an actual, like, a blue cheese. Mm. Then there are some people who are like, no, that's not what he's talking about. But then again, we could also get into the whole argument about how ancient people couldn't see blue. I don't want to even think about that anymore because it actually has been stressing me out since we last spoke about this. Did you see the TikToks? No, I didn't see the TikTok. I can't. It's like the same thing when people talk about black holes to me. Like my brain shuts down. I get so stressed and anxious. I'm like, even trying to visualize a world without the color blue is too much for me. It's incredible. I think it's one of my favorite things that I've learned this year. It's like, I want to read an entire book about it. It's insane. The fact that an entire color just gone. But think about all the colors that we're missing because of the way that our language. I can't think about that either. No, this is what I'm saying, Rika. It's too much for my brain. Yeah, no, that's why I'm still talking about it. Um, Anyway, so by the Middle Ages, so Pliny, Mm -hmm. fuck him, um, we're at 1411 to be exact. And Rockfort is the first officially officially recognized cheese. Mm. And actually the first official um, anything of um, AOC. So that's Appellation d'Origine Controlée. It's the very first. So it wasn't to do with wine originally. It was cheese. It was Rockfort. Oh my god. I'm going to take that one and tell everyone. I know. I mean, that's what Wikipedia says. I believe it. But yeah, so it's like the time where um, they were just like in 1411. They're like, mm. yeah, you can only make Rockfort if you live in Roquefort sur Sulzon. Interesting. Totally. And also, if you're a shepherd who likes to go chase ladies, <laughs> you can. And you can only make it by running after that hoe over there. Yeah. And leaving your cheese in a cave. It's one woman too. She's like 90 years old, and she's she has like, these cheesemongers just after her. She's like, God damn it! That cardio. It's keeping her young though. <laughs> In 1820, mm-hmm. uh, Rockfort, the town, was producing 300 tons of the cheese a year. Wow. Which sounds like a lot, but then, like, less than 100 years later, we're 1914, and that number has tripled, more than tripled, Good. to 9,250. Wow. So. That's crazy. I don't know where it's at now. but that's, There's no way of knowing. It's impossible to know. Impossible. Let's uh, zip over to the south, but actually the north. Hmm. Okay. Milan. Milan. Gorgonzola Milan, to be oh. precise. Uh, Gorgonzola is another blue cheese that's been around for like a very long time. Interesting. But it uh, it wasn't always blue. 
Oh. Like, they were just, like, making a cheese in Gorgonzola, and that's called Gorgonzola, because that's how Europe works. Yeah. And then the blue... They do not get creative with their names. <laughs> you know... I appreciate it. It's different. It's a different... Different strokes for different folks. Different structures for... They've just got more going on, honestly. (sighs) Don't get me started. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we don't have, like, a... Like, a new West. (laughs) (laughs) So, Gorgonzola Milan, Mm -hmm. they've been making this cheese. And then they start adding the veins of, like, a more of, like, a greeny than a blue Hmm. mold um, in the 11th century. Is it, it's not the Rockford, like, penicillin one? Yeah, I think it is. Oh. According to Wikipedia? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, like, I think that that's, like, the main... I think there's also something to be said where it's, like, the sort of mold that they put in cheese Mm -hmm. is all the same. And then they've now called that Ah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And not surprisingly... You know, there's a myth about the origin of Gorgi mm. that is strikingly familiar. So we've got a Lombardy cheesemaker mm. who is, you know, he's making his cheese. He's just added some fresh curds to a vat. And then he, you know, leaves it overnight and rushes off to meet his lover. Oh. The next day, he adds more fresh curds in an attempt to fix his mistake. But a few months later, there's blue mold all over the cheese. And he's like, no, seriously, guys, it's a new trend. Literally. He's like, well, turns out it's delicious, so who cares? <laughs> Honestly, fair. We stand yeah. a gorgy. We stand a gorg. Oh, like proper Italian gorgonzola, where it's like you do it kind of like a brie style, where it's like you cut it in half and just like scoop out the middle and it's like liquid almost because it's so... <laughs> Oh, so good. I need to eat a snack. Gorgonzola's popularity was like lagging a little bit behind Rockford, um, but has been increasingly, increasing steadily since the 1900s. Hmm. And it's like, apparently there's different types that like for the exports, like people like different things. Oh, interesting. So the English prefer like a softer white, um, but spicy Gorgonzola. Hmm. While then the French and Germans... Um, they're looking for like a bluer, stronger version. Interesting that the French would be importing gorgonzola cheese. I mean, like everyone likes whatever. Like they yeah, just fair. want more cheesy. Tr- Churchill, old Winnie, old Winnie, <laughs> uh, supposedly loved gorgonzola so much that during the Second World War, um, it was like illegal to bomb g- the town of Gorgonzola at its dairies. <laughs> Because he's like, don't, 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 don't make my, my cheese. Like, I have cheese. to still have my cheese. Like, <laughs> sanctions be damned. That's so cute. That just, and again, like, what a comment on human nature. Just like, we all really want to eat good things. <laughs> totally. Totally. I mean, it's like, yeah. It's like how I wouldn't, if we were at war, let anything happen to champagne. <laughs> no, no. That entire region is a no-fly zone. Just like, leave, leave her. The calves. The calves. The calves. Um, Gorgonzola has been a protected cheese under Italian uh, denominazione di origine protetata. Very nice. Since 1996, which is very late, but also like Italy doesn't have their shit together, so. Okay, the way it was explained to me for their wine is the DOC versus DOCG was like once the official, and the ones the official once everyone started breaking the rules. And that, if that doesn't scream Italy to you, that's all I understand. A million percent. Mm-hmm. All right. Our final 
cheese. Our final blue, lady in blue. The English. The English rose. <laughs> All Stilton. Tell us more about her. She's mysterious. She's delicious is what she mm-hmm, is. Truly. Possibly like the stinkiest of mm. the bunch. Tracks. And also like the firmest because the English must have a stiff... A stiff upper lip and a cheese to match. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, Um, it's all the blue blood. Ayo. Oh, incred. Thank Um, you. Shockingly, which I didn't know, which I mean, I guess, of course, but there's a non-blue version. Really? Yeah. Like, I don't think you can get a non-blue Gorgonzola. Not anymore, I don't think. I don't think so. But yeah, there's like a white Stilton, which seems kind of like a Wensleydale kind of situation, which I don't know. Hmm. I don't trust it, but okay. Yeah, and they were like, you can, like, add, like, fruits to it or, like, chocolate. I was like, I don't want chocolate in my cheese. No. No. That's very weird. Weird. Anyway, but the Stilton ones, Mm. like, the blues, and actually even the white as well, um, they, like the, like, Gorgonzola and Roquefort, are also protected under EU law. Mm. And they can only, so Stilton can only be produced in the counties of Derbyshire, Leicestershire and Nottinghamshire. Mm. So Stilton is much younger than the Rock and the Gorg. Mm. Um, it started popping up around the 1720s. The first printed recipe was uh, published in 1726. Mm. And then we have some dude named Daniel Defoe who wrote this in his 1724 work, A Tour Through, which is just T-H-R-O apostrophe, The mm. Whole Island of Great Britain. Um, Intriguing. He says, We passed Stilton, a town famous for cheese, which is called our English Parmesan, and is brought to table with the mites or maggots round it, so thick that they bring a spoon with them for you to eat the mites with as you do the cheese. That's so, so grody. I know. I love. Oh, it's so English. I love it. Um, in 1936, the Stilton Cheesemakers Association was formed to lobby for the protection of the quality and origin of the cheese. 30 years later, so again, another like 30 years even before Gorgonzola, which has been around since... Uh, again, uh, the British are good at the admin. The truly, Italians, so yeah. Not so much. <laughs> so 66, Stilton is granted legal protection via certification trademark and is the only British cheese to have received this status. Hmm, interesting. I know. I felt like there'd be more. Maybe there are now, but I don't know. Yeah, Stilton. She's like, she's the one. She's the one. It's so good. Truly. So crumbly. Mm. I really need to eat some cheese. <laughs> okay. Like, it's situation critical over here. It's situation critical. Time to end this podcast and eat a cheese snack, which I'm sure that you, the listener, do want to as well. because because yeah. we've really sold it with all these incredible descriptions of mold. Of mold. Mm. And, like, fat farts. Yep. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Um, Maggots. Yeah. So I think, like, this is... There's other molds in cheese. Hmm. Like, basically a brie is just crusted in mold. Right? Like, that's the rind. Love it. So that will be... In the Probably future. another second... This is probably going to be, like, a three-parter... Love. ...over the course of the season, because I love cheese. Who doesn't? And it's, honestly, it's a great excuse for us to eat it here. Truly. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you for listening, everybody. It's been an absolute pleasure to be with you on episode one of season five. Oh my gosh. Talk about grandma. I was just going to say I'm a grandma. <laughs> Please leave us a nice comment on whatever the things are. 
Rate, review, subscribe. Yep, those are the words. Yep. Tell your friends, tell your foes. You can follow us on Instagram. We are Pantry Staples Pod. Maybe we'll post a picture of the cheeses we're eating. Probably not. We'll maybe forget, but we'll do what we can. <laughs> and we'll talk to you in like, I don't know, two weeks? Whenever. Whenever. We'll Whenever I feel like editing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, goodbye. Okay, bye. It's cheese time.